No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Jehu makes war against the house of Ahab and King Ahaziah of Judah, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord spoken through Elijah the prophet. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Kings chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. Probably the most wicked woman in the Bible was Jezebel. She was the embodiment of evil. Today we see how she met her gruesome demise at the hand of a ruthless and ambitious leader named Jehu. Having been anointed king of Israel, Jehu killed King Joram, the son of Ahab, by the word of the Lord. King Ahaziah of Judah witnessed this, for at the time he was visiting Joram in Jezreel. We continue in 2 Kings 9:27. But when Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, he fled by the road to Beth Hagan. So Jehu pursued him and said, Shoot him also in the chariot. And they shot him at the ascent of Gur, which is by Iblium. Then he fled to Megiddo and died there. And his servants carried him in the chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah had become king over Judah. King Ahaziah of Judah was related by marriage to King Joram of Israel. Ahaziah's mother was Joram's sister. And when his uncle was wounded in battle, King Ahaziah visited him in Jezreel. Now, did he just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time? We are told in 2 Chronicles 22.7, his going to Joram was God's occasion for Ahaziah's downfall. You see, King Ahaziah had walked in the way of King Ahab and Jezebel. In fact, he had introduced Baal worship to the southern kingdom of Judah. The intermarriage of his father corrupted the dynasty of David. And now Ahaziah would suffer the same fate as his idolatrous family members living in the north. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Those who would walk in the way of the world will be condemned with the world. Now, when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? By this time, Jezebel's husband Ahab had been dead for 14 years. She had a grandson who was 23 years old. When Jezebel was young, she was a beautiful woman, but now she was old. Yet she adorned herself as a queen. In Revelation 18, we see that in the future, God will judge the mother of prostitutes known as Babylon the Great. Revelation 18.5 says, For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow, for she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. 
This prophecy compares Babylon the Great to a wicked woman who was complacent in her luxury. Jezebel was very much like this. She was aware of Elijah's prophecy against Ahab and her for their many sins. Yet for 14 years, she lived in luxury and probably thought that she had escaped this curse. Painting her eyes and adorning her hair was a sign that she still considered herself a queen who was secure from judgment. When Jehu entered through the gate, Jezebel called out to him from the top of the tower, Is it peace, Zimri? By now she had heard that Jehu had killed the king, who was also her son. She calls him Zimri, for in the history of the kings of Israel, Zimri assassinated his king, but within a week the people revolted against his rule, and Zimri committed suicide. Jezebel was insinuating that Jehu would suffer the same ill fate. And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Then he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. Somehow, this reminds me of when Dorothy throws water on the wicked witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz, and it melts her. Rather than the witch's henchmen being angry with her, they say, Hail to Dorothy, indicating that they didn't much care for their employer. Now, why didn't these three eunuchs protect Jezebel? Well, they could have been afraid of Jehu, who they knew to be a capable general. Or they could have been fed up with being ordered about by this wicked woman. Whatever the reason, rather than defending Jezebel, they threw her off the top of the tower. And when she hit the ground, her blood spattered on the wall and the horses, and Jehu made sure the deed was done by trampling her underfoot, probably with his horse. This was a gruesome end to a murderous woman. And when he had gone in, he ate and drank. And then he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman, and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore, they came back and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be his refuse on the surface of the field in the plot of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, here lies Jezebel. How could Jehu go and eat lunch after this? He was a rough and ruthless warrior. But his conscience bothered him because it was a disgrace in Israel not to bury the dead the same day that they died. When they went to bury her, there was nothing left except her skull, palms, and feet. The wild dogs had consumed her. Jehu realized that the word of the Lord through Elijah the prophet had been literally fulfilled. There wasn't enough left of Jezebel to even give her a grave. Now, Jezebel stands in Scripture as the embodiment of evil. In his seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation, Jesus even refers to her as an archetype of evil and spiritual adultery. I have dedicated many babies to the Lord, but never have I come across even one named Jezebel. No one wants to touch that name. 
Jezebel was idolatrous, introducing the worship of Baal to Israel and even ultimately to Judah. She provided for 450 prophets of Baal at her own table. Jezebel was murderous, not content merely to worship Baal. She had the prophets of the Lord put to death. Jezebel was dominating. She exercised evil influence over her husband and took control of the spiritual leadership of the nation, killing anyone who stood in her way. And she was scheming. When Ahab was sullen because Naboth wouldn't sell him his vineyard, rather than telling Ahab to quit his whining, Jezebel plotted an elaborate scheme where Naboth was falsely accused of blasphemy and then executed. Jezebel was a wicked woman in a league of her own. Beware of her spirit in any form. Chapter 10. Now Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria, and Jehu wrote and sent letters to Samaria to the rulers of Jezreel, to the elders, and to those who reared Ahab's sons, saying, Now as soon as this letter comes to you, since your master's sons are with you, and you have chariots and horses, a fortified city also, and weapons, choose the best qualified of your master's sons, set him on his father's throne, and fight for your master's house. Ahab had other wives and many sons by them. They were protected and raised by the elders in the city of Samaria. Jehu wrote to the elders, telling them to place one of the sons of Ahab on the throne and come out and fight. This was a strategic move because it would have taken Jehu a long time to lay siege against the fortified city of Samaria. But they were exceedingly afraid and said, Look, two kings could not stand up to him. How can we stand? And he who was in charge of the house and he who was in charge of the city, the elders also, and those who reared the sons sent to Jehu saying, We are your servants. We will do all you tell us, but we will not make anyone king. Do what is good in your sight. No doubt Jehu knew that they would be intimidated by him. They were politicians and teachers, not warriors. These elders did not defend the king's sons, but quickly sought to save their own skin. Then he wrote a second letter to them, saying, If you are for me and will obey my voice, take the heads of the men, your master's sons, and come to me at Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the king's sons, 70 persons, were with the great men of the city who were rearing them. So it was when the letter came to them that they took the king's sons and slaughtered 70 persons, put their heads in baskets, and sent them to Jehu at Jezreel. Then a messenger came and told him, saying, They have brought the heads of the king's sons. And he said, Lay them in two heaps at the entrance of the gate until morning. Jehu told the elders to present the heads of Ahab's sons, and meet him at Jezreel the next day. Now, that could have been interpreted two ways. Either he meant to bring the chiefs of the sons to him, or literally to behead them. The elders didn't take any chances at displeasing Jehu, but beheaded all 70 of Ahab's sons, bringing their heads in baskets to him at Jezreel. Jehu had them stack the heads in two heaps on either side of the city gate, this would be a horrific sign to any would-be rebels. So it was in the morning that 
he went out and stood and said to all the people, you are righteous. Indeed, I conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? Know now that nothing shall fall to the earth of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spoke concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord has done what he spoke by his servant Elijah. So Jehu killed all who remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel and all his great men and his close acquaintances and his priests until he left him none remaining. Jehu acknowledged that he conspired against Joram, his king, but then he pinned the blame on the elders for the death of Ahab's sons. Jehu was shrewd to the core. Now, it is true that Jehu had destroyed the house of Ahab according to the word of the Lord. But then Jehu went beyond this and killed Ahab's officials, friends, and priests. God never gave him that commandment. Jehu executed them merely because they were associates of Ahab. And in these actions, we see that he was ruthless and ambitious. He was zealous for the Lord, but also for himself. I am afraid that many believers in their zeal to serve the Lord and advance his kingdom misrepresent God. We are to keep the word of the Lord and proclaim the name of the Lord, but we must remember that the one we represent is humble and gentle in heart. He sacrificed his own life to save lost sinners like us. May God help us do his will in his spirit and not in our own ambition. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where Jehu, in his zeal for the Lord, kills the brothers of Ahaziah. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible